Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast. I am Jamie Truman, your host. Imagine if your husband, who serves in the military, was catastrophically injured and the government only was able to issue one, maybe two tickets to go see him during his long recovery process. How would you manage raising your children while your husband was recovering for months at Walter Reed Clinic that's located hundreds or even thousands of miles away from you and your children? I spoke with the co-founder of Luke's Wings, Fletcher Gill. Luke's Wings provides emergency travel planning services and airplane tickets for the families and loved ones of wounded, ill, and injured service members, veterans, and fallen officers during hospital recovery and rehabilitation. We speak about a young man named Luke Shirley who was recovering from combat injuries at Walter Reed, and that is who opened their eyes to the importance of having close family members with soldiers during their recovery process. Stories of the positive impact having family members by their side throughout their recoveries, how you can get involved within the organization, and how you can help with their holiday campaign of no service member spends the holidays alone. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hi, Fletcher. Thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today about Luke's winning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, I actually was introduced to your organization, gosh, probably like 10 years ago through my husband, uh, Jerry Truman. We went to one of your events in D.C. and it was on a rooftop and it was beautiful. Um, My husband really loved your organization. So I'm really glad that we're finally able to meet, you know, via Zoom, but to meet and talk about why you decided to create Luke Swing, the story behind it. So let's get a little bit into that. What you co-founded this organization in 2008. You guys have done some amazing, amazing things since then. And I want to know the story behind it. What made you co-found and create this wonderful organization? And what exactly is Yes, thank you. So Luke's Wings was founded back in 2008. So back in 2007, you know, we were at war and everybody was trying to find something meaningful to do, you know, in terms of supporting our troops and and being patriotic. And so was I. And I had a very uh, serendipitous uh, kind of fateful lunch with my friend Sarah Wingfield in December of 2007. Now, Sarah was a Redskins cheerleader ambassador at the time, and she would do a lot of appearance work for the Washington Redskins. And, you know, now it's called the Commanders Back then, it was the Redskins. And uh, one of the appearances was in the spring of 2007, where she met the troops at Walter Reed. That was a uh, pivotal moment in Sarah's life because, like most people, she had never been inside the Walter Reed hospital campus up there. And uh, once she got inside of it, it was eye-opening in terms of how many wounded warriors were there, how many caregivers were there, how many families were living at Walter Reed. It's an enormous kind of microcosm bubble inside of there. And it was eye-opening for her. And she met a young man named Luke Shirley. He was recovering from combat injuries, catastrophic injuries. He had lost an arm and a leg, and he was going through surgeries, and he was heavily medicated, and he was in a wheelchair sitting in the corner in a Miami Dolphins jersey. And so Sarah Wingfield thought, well, this is my job, and you know, I'm an ambassador for the Redskins, so I'm going to walk up and, and, and talk to him. And maybe I'll joke with him about his Miami Dolphins jersey, you know. And she tried to have a conversation with him, and he was completely 
detached. He, he wasn't talking to her. He wasn't engaging. He was just off in his own world. And, you know, he was obviously heavily medicated and he was going through a lot of trauma, etc. But that was something that she really observed. And then something happened. His mother showed up. And when his mother showed up, his mood changed and he kind of woke up, if you will. That's when he started to engage with Sarah. And they had a very nice, long conversation. He told Sarah his whole story. And Sarah told me all of this at lunch in December of 2007. And I sat there at lunch with Sarah and I said, tell me more about his, how his mom was there. What was that about? Sarah said, well, his mom lives at Walter Reed. I thought, that's impossible. You know, you have visiting hours in a hospital and you take somebody a milkshake, you know, and you sneak in a candy bar and you tell them, get well soon, and then you leave. That's what visiting a hospital is. And I tried to have that conversation with Sarah and she said, no, the moms and the wives live at Walter Reed. And it turns out, this is the long story short, hopefully not too late, turns out that back then the government would reach out to the family and, you know, inform them that they had a son or daughter who was catastrophically injured and was now being transported medevaced back to Walter Reed. And they would provide one airplane ticket and cover the cost of one airplane ticket for a, a loved one to come to Walter Reed to greet and to take care of the wounded warrior. Now, the trick to this or the, the string that was attached was that once the person left Walter Reed and took the return flight home, the coverage ended and the per diem was gone and the place to stay was gone and the support from the government was gone. Now, they've since changed that to three airplane tickets, but still only one person can stay. And that was inevitably a mother or a wife or, you know, a very close loved one who would quit their jobs at home. The other kids with grandma just drop everything and come to Bethesda, Maryland to take care of their wounded warrior and then refuse to leave. They would refuse to go home because they were so scared that when the coverage ended, they wouldn't be able to afford a second flight back. And so they just dropped everything and they came to Walter Reed and refused to leave. And this was a huge problem. So number one, it was about realizing that the moms and wives were there as non-medical attendants, changing bandages and helping the wounded warriors recover and learn how to walk on prosthetics and be there when they woke up from surgeries and all of those things. And by the way, also be in the dark hospital room when the wounded warrior was contemplating suicide or divorce, right? We can get to that in a moment. But that was the first thing. And the second thing was just the sheer economics of trying to get back and forth, you know, to Walter Reed. And so anyway, I told Sarah, look, why don't we raise some money? We'll throw a party at the City Tavern Club in Washington, D.C. We'll raise some money. We'll go to Walter Reed and we'll find Luke's mom and we'll offer to send her home. And she can, you know, sleep in her own bed and check her mail and check in on the other kids. And then she can come back again. And maybe we can set up a rotation plan for her. Maybe we can, you know, offer more plane tickets on an ongoing basis. And Sarah looked at me and said, can you do that? Can you offer people plane tickets? And I said, you know something? If somebody tries to stop me from flying a mom into Walter Reed to be by the bedside of a wounded warrior, they can go pound sand. And by the way, I didn't say pound sand. I said something else. But Sarah said, okay, well, you know, if you think we can do this, go for it. And so we uh, set up a 501c3 nonprofit, Luke's Wings. We named it Luke's Wings after Luke Shirley and Sarah Wingfield. We went to Walter Reed and we said, hey, we're going to start raising money and we're going to start providing flights for all of your caregivers to come in and out. And they said, can you do that? 
can we trust that you're going to do that? Because a lot of people come here and offer a lot of stuff and then they don't follow through. And I said, well, you haven't met me yet. And when I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And so in 2008, we delivered 19 airplane tickets in and out of Walter Reed. And now we do that every three or four days. And in total, over 16 years, we've provided more than 16,000 airplane tickets. So what was the response of Luke's mom when you told her you were going to be able to provide her with more airplane tickets back and forth? Well, I think that the response from all of the service members and their families was relief because you have three or four years of hospital recovery in some situations. And that is what leads to the divorce rates because fiancés and wives just say, I can't do that. I just can't afford it. And I, it's just too much. And it also leads to divorce on the other side because the wounded warrior says, I'm, I'm dragging you down financially, mentally, you know, spiritually. And, and, and let's just, you know, you can do better than me. And it also leads to suicide because, you know, back in the day, if you thought of a, if you ever remember watching the movie Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump, this is a great, my, my great analogy for this or example. He's in this hospital bed and he looks to his left and he goes, Captain Dan, is that you, Captain Dan? And they were right next to each other in these hospital beds, right? In an infirmary situation. And Captain, actually in that movie, Captain Dan tried to kill himself and Forrest Gump stopped him. You know, he saw him in the hospital bed next to him, whatever, and he stopped him. And uh, if I remember correctly, anyway, that's what I remember. And now you don't have that. Okay, yes, it's there's no privacy, sure, but you're there with your comrades and you're in the same room with them. You have human interaction. And now what they do is they take a wounded warrior and put them into a private room, which is great because it's private and you get your own space, but it's also dark and it's lonely. And that's where, you know, those thoughts creep into your head. And so our mission is to make sure that the wounded, ill, or injured service member always has somebody there, always. And that's that's just all there is to it. And you'll be amazed at how many of these guys over the years would grab us and say, dude, can you send my mom home? Because like she's been here for like six months and she's driving me freaking crazy. <laughs> just send her home for like a weekend. Let her chill out at home, right? And we would say, nope problem. Of course, we'll send your mom home. I get it. But let's send in your best friend from high school or a battle buddy, you know, or whoever. Let's just send somebody else in because, you know, alone in a dark room for five or six days. And so that's, um, you know, it's always been a, a, the response has been relief. And I think gratitude and um, it's a population of people that deserve our support as much as any population of people. And, um, it's also a population, you know, meaning service members who often try to turn down the services. And that's something that I've always admired and been astonished by. They'll say, you know, there's someone else in this hospital who needs the airplane ticket more, so you should give it to them. And when I hear that, you know, it just reinstills my faith in humanity and reinstills my respect for, for all service members out there, you know. Yeah. You know, let's see this. I'm thinking of this has to be a godsend for wives of some of these were the warriors that have children to be able to go back and forth. There were service members who had children at Walter Reed that were literally born at Walter Reed. And for the first couple of years of their life, knew nothing other than the Walter Reed campus, if you can believe that. So you would go up there, we would go up there to visit the troops and there'd be kids running around. That's what they knew. That was their world. It was unbelievable. 
really was unbelievable. So I was looking on your website and I, I saw the story of France on there and just the impact that Luke Swings has had on his entire family. Are there some service members and veterans that their stories really stand out to you during all this time that you had this organization of them? There are. Some of the stories that really have impacted me over the years are actually pretty hard to talk about, but I will, I'll share some of them. We had a call just before Memorial Weekend once, and it was an 11-year-old boy who called us directly. He found us. I don't know how he found us. But his father was shot by a sniper in Afghanistan. And the snipers back then, they knew that the service members were wearing body armor and sometimes the Kevlar, you know, the helmets that were reinforced. And so the snipers would go for the head and neck. That's the shot that they took. And this service member was shot in the head and he was in a coma and uh, his 11 year old boy asked to go to his bedside for memorial weekend he had a day off from school so we flew him down to uh james a haley medical center in florida and he sat by his dad's bedside for three days we had a service member out in fort carson colorado who was a wounded warrior himself recovering and it was actually a Red Cross volunteer who called us and said, I have a wounded warrior out here. And uh, he just got alerted that his father is in Boston, Massachusetts, in a hospital and on his deathbed. And I don't know what we can do, but, you know, his dad is dying. And his dad, incidentally, if I remember this story correctly, his dad was also a service member veteran. And so it was a snowstorm out there in, in Colorado at, the, at that moment. But we had a volunteer who um, Michelle Yang, I remember her name vividly. She had volunteered in Washington, D.C., and as luck would have it, moved out to Colorado. And so I called her up and I said, hey, is there any chance that you could get to Fort Carson and drive this service member to the airport? And she's like, well, yeah, of course. I mean, there's a snowstorm, but I'll do what I can. So we called back to the Red Cross volunteer and we said, tell the service member to pack a bag and get ready because there's an airplane ticket waiting for him in Denver, and we have a volunteer who's gonna drive him to the airport. And what's even better about that story is that the, the doctors in Boston found out both father and father held on, waited, struggled, and he held on. And we had that service member on a flight around 11 a.m., and he was in Boston around three o'clock in the afternoon, and he had, I don't know, three or four hours by his dad's bedside, and he was there when his dad passed away. You're tearing up. I'm tearing up. It's it's hard to to listen to these stories and not get really emotional. You know, mentioning and you were talking about these stories and you said people were kind of calling in and contacting you guys. How does it actually work? How do you find these service members that need your help and how are they able to receive it? That's a great question. And thank you for asking that. And I really hope that the audience, whoever listens to this, not only takes note of it, but then shares it because we are not a household name like Coca-Cola or Pepsi or, you know, Tylenol, right? The whole world should know that we exist, but a lot of people still don't. And so I need the audience to remember that we're here because I bet you that your audience knows a service member family, uh, you know, a military family or a police officer, their local police officer that, you know, that protects their neighborhood kind of thing. And I need the audience to, to share our information. So what people do is they go to our website and at the very top of the website, it read, 
is an emergency phone number. And all you have to do is call that emergency phone number if you need a next flight out. If you need to get on an airplane within, you know, a couple of hours, then you call that phone number. I would encourage people to just call that number no matter what. You can also fill out an application form if you have a little more time. There's an application form on our flight. It says request a flight. And the application is then processed into our internal system at Luke's Wings and then it's emailed to our family communications and logistics team. That's just our programs team. What's really fun about it is that at this moment, and hopefully for a very long time, the person who runs our programs team is herself a wounded warrior wife, caregiver, and former beneficiary of Luke's Wings. Her name is Melissa Meadows. I'm actually on my way up to Atlantic City for the National State Troopers Coalition uh, Conference. And Melissa and I are going to go up there together and, uh, you know, beat the drum a little bit for our services and offer it to our fallen officers. But she's a wonderful human being. She takes care of her husband, John, who has traumatic brain injury, TBI, suffered during active duty deployment. And for many years, Luke's Wings was providing her and her family plane tickets. And recently she reached out and said, I, I just want to be part of this. So I said, great, <laughs> you can book all of the, the flights. And uh, we put her in charge of programs. So she's the woman who will answer the phone when somebody calls the emergency number and um, you'll get Melissa Meadows. But that's, that's how people apply for flights. And once a family has applied one time, you know, we really take them into our, into the fold, you know, under our wing, uh, no pun intended there. And, you know, we set up rotation plans. We just need to validate the, the nature of the uh, injury and make sure it checks all the boxes to qualify for our service. And whenever that family needs a plane ticket, they just call Melissa and we should be able to book it for you know, I really love how you have Melissa working for you because it's such an emotional phone call and there's so much going on yeah. with these families and she really can understand yeah. and empathize what they're going through. That is such a great addition to your organization. And so I wonder, I this is going to come out a few days before Veterans Day. And do you have any events coming up or, or how can people get involved and or volunteer within Luke's Wings? Yes. Thank you. Uh, we have a Heroes Walk on November 5th, and that will be at Walter Reed. We actually started the high school next door to Walter Reed just for logistics. It's easier for everybody. We get about 300 people there, and then we invite everyone out of Walter Reed, the families and, you know, the caregivers, the medical staff, everybody. And we walk through Bethesda, and we end at Euro Motor Cars Bethesda. It's the Mercedes-Benz dealership there. And we have a block party and we have a lot of food trucks and a lot of fun stuff and it's kid friendly and pet friendly. And that's um, a really fun event that we do every year around uh, Veterans Day. And it's, it's you know, a local kind of community style event to walk. Then we'll have our No Service Member Spends the Holidays Alone campaign kicking off on Veterans Day and through the holidays. It used to be called No Soldier Spends Christmas Alone. And I still like that, but we wanted to be technically accurate and uh, call it no service member spends the holidays alone. And the idea there is that between Veterans Day and the end of the year, we will try to raise half a million, provide flips to unite 500 their families. And what I like to say is if I'm under my Christmas tree with my kids on Christmas morning, by God, you know, our service members and our wounded, ill and injured service members should be under their trees uh, with their kids on Christmas morning. And that's what we set out to accomplish. 
So how do you see Luke's Swing for the future? Well, an excellent question. Um, we will continue to provide flights for our core program lines, which is our wounded ill members. And as a side note, a lot of the members are actually stage four cancer patients because we're exposed to uranium deposits, burn pits, and uh, jet fuel and things like that during active duty deployment. And so we are uh, trying to support them as well. So we'll continue to do all of those flights. And then in addition to that, support Special Operations Command with um, flights for special operators. We support our fallen officers through our fallen officers transportation assistance program. Uh, veterans and hospice care is another program line. So think of a World War II veteran who's passing away. We wanna make sure they're never alone when they pass away. And then in, we have several defined program lines now, and we are trying to explore or we are exploring and trying to develop new program lines. So we support flights for uh, wounded, ill, and injured service members, veterans in hospice care, like World War II veterans, for example, or stage four cancer patients, for example, fallen officers, and also Special Operations Command. So we are a partner of the CARE Coalition uh, down at SOCOM, and we will provide flights for special operators. We don't get to ask a lot of questions about those flights. We just trust that that uh, when they ask for a flight, you know, that it's it's obviously for a good reason and we, uh, we support it. In the future, we also want to develop new program lines if funding will allow it. You know, it's all about how much money we can raise. But the three new program lines that we are currently exploring are providing flights for service members for drug and alcohol rehabilitation. So if we can send them to a specific clinic or a specific you know, destination that supports drug and alcohol rehabilitation, we'd like to try to do that. The second would be for retreats, you know, for married couples or for families or destination retreats. You know, there's a lot of great organizations out there that do fly fishing or pheasant hunting, like, for example, a partner organization of ours, Wings of Valor out in um, South Dakota. But, you know, they have a hard time getting people to them. So we'd like to be able to provide those flights in and out of those destination locations. And the third uh, is military sexual trauma. And that is a uh, bit of a lightning rod issue, but certainly, you know, you have thousands of cases every year of service members who report military sexual trauma, sexual assault, rape, et cetera. And what if, and this is what the, you know, the concept we're exploring, what if Luke's wings could provide flights for the, those moms and dads and those family members to mobilize within that first 24 hours after an attack and uh, get to their son or daughter to provide you know every level of support up. And uh, we're exploring all of that, but it's all about funding. And so um, we're out there every day trying to raise that money. Plane tickets are not cheap. They're more expensive than ever. And uh, every year we're delivering some 2,000 airplane tickets it is a ongoing challenge, you know, just like any organization, any nonprofit, you know, we're in it to win it. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm do our, do our best. on your site that the average cost of flight is 350. Yeah. And that actually needs to be updated because through the inflation and everything. And if anyone's tried to buy a plane ticket, you know, the last, I don't know, year and certainly into the holidays, right. You're looking at 800 to a thousand dollars probably. So it is getting very expensive to deliver our mission. We do have a, a wonderful partnerships with the airlines and we do collect miles. So if somebody doesn't want to donate cash, they can go on Delta's website and find us 
and uh, donate their miles directly to Luke's Wings. And of course, that really helps us bridge the gap when it comes to uh, demand for flights, especially around the holidays. Absolutely. That's fantastic. And where can you donate just directly onto your site? Yeah, you can come to our website, lukeswings.org, and donate money. There's also links there to go to Delta's website, or you could just go to Delta and, and log in. And I think it's called the Skywish program. And, you know, if you look around on their website, you'll find it pretty quickly. And I think they highlight 30 different nonprofits. Uh, and we're honored to be one of them. And you can just click on us and then transfer your unused miles. Or if you have miles that are going to be expiring, if you can't use them, send them to us. We'll use them. You know, we'll send some, uh, reunite some families on Christmas morning. Fantastic. Now, before I let you go, is there anything that, that we haven't covered that you think someone should know? Well, over my 16 years of being in charge of Loop Swings, I can tell you that I am extremely committed to making sure that we pass through as much of our donation dollars as we can in an almost regimented and disciplined way, which is why we have a nimble, small team of people. And even though we've had huge fundraising moments throughout our history, we've never overextended. We've never gotten ahead of our skis. We've never taken you know, too much office space or hired too many people or done any of those kinds of things. We've always stayed very true to our mission, very mission-driven, and we have been very careful with people's donations. And, you know, it's something that I just really hope people appreciate out there, that we take full responsibility for, for our charity and, and what we're trying to accomplish, and I think we're doing a darn good job of it. Yeah, if your organization, it's amazing. My husband absolutely loves it. And I just wanted to say, like, listening to you and your stories. I mean, I don't know anybody that's going to be able to listen to this without like crying, at least tearing up. It's really emotional. What you guys have been able to do for families is quite amazing. So, you know, thank you so much for coming on here. And I learned so much and I, I we love everything that you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was great chatting with you and we look forward to uh, your support in the future. And I encourage all of your audience to come check us out and be part of our Loop Swings family if they'd like. Thank you again so much and thank you for everyone to tuning in to another episode of the Truman Charity Podcast. Until next time. If you liked this episode, please make sure to rate and review our podcast. That is how more people learn about the Truman Charities Podcast and our organization. And to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you'd like to follow Truman Charities, you can follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities, Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities, and check out our website, trumancharities.com.